You know, a fighter don't need a scrapbook, Henry. And you want to know what he's done, where he's fought? You read it in his face. He's got the whole story cut into his flesh. We're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome back to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And we hope you guys enjoyed uh, last week's uh, trippy time travel outlaw justice episode with coconuts. Yeah, <laughs> with coconuts. There's the professor. I had to make oh, coconuts. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, yeah. It hasn't been that long. It's been a few extra days, but yeah. I don't remember any coconuts. Um, so we go from uh, gripping sci-fi to... Uh, I don't know. I'd say wish fulfillment. That's too on the nose, though. Uh, um, melodrama boxing yeah. uh, story. <laughs> um, so this is a season one, episode 27, The Big Tall Wish. Uh, air date is April 8th, 1960. Uh, it, again, when you look for news from around this time, it's either going to be like science related, but I, I thought this one was interesting. <clears throat> Project Ozma. Uh, under the direction of astronomer Frank Drake at the National Radio Astronomy Observatory, uh, began a search for extraterrestrial life. Uh, he detected, uh, what was it, um, some signals precisely that were eight times per second, like a blip that's coming out of a, a distant, um, what was it, uh, Tau Ceti, whatever, wherever that is, it's in space. People started to think it was uh, extraterrestrial life, and then he was uh, forced to say he had no comment. The, it was later traced to an airplane. So they were listening for UFOs, and they found an airplane. Ah, great news story. Yeah, I know. I just, <laughs> I just because like we, this is like the first like official search by the U.S. government to try to find like evidence of extraterrestrial life, and they thought they found something, and it just turned out to be an airplane. So they say. I'm sure yeah, Rod Serling was, would have something to say about that. It was just an old boxer's career. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's Fade, what they found. Fading into existence. Uh, I'm just trying to tie it in. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> he was just he was just trying to catch that airplane, and it was twenty two, two years too late or whatever. Uh, number one song, theme from a summer place, Percy Faith is orchestra. That's going to yeah. be gone here soon. Um, number one film, uh, please don't eat the daisies. Uh, Jack Weston, that we saw him from the Monsters of Joe Maple Street. He was the one that wore like the, kind of the Hawaiian print shirt, like he was the agitator. He ah. he's in this movie, so. I thought that was interesting that like last week we talked about um, the guy who played Caswell was in the TV show and then also the number one film coming up. So kind of nice to see, you know, there would be that kind of work like you're working TV and you're in the number one film. Um, So, yeah, yeah. anyway, that's that. But nothing interesting about that movie other than it's going to be the number one film for a while. And it made a a net profit of one million eight hundred thousand dollars. And that was a victory back then. So. Yeah, it sounds so weird now. That's like, 
Yeah, like if a movie doesn't make like triple back, it's like budget, it's considered a failure. And here it's like, hey guys, we broke even and we have enough for sandwiches. It's a hit. You know, <laughs> sandwiches. Yeah. Nice. All right. Yeah, I got, I got nothing for that date. Um, should I jump into cast and crew? Sure. All right. This episode is directed by our friend, uh, little connection to Monsters or Duo Maple Street, Ron Winston. Yeah. Uh, which we just talked about. So interesting that uh, uh, what's his name it popped up in that number one film, too. Yeah. Um, he also directed one other Twilight Zone episode. But if you want to hear us talk a little bit more about him, go back to the Monsters or Duo Maple Street. Uh, episode is written by Rod Serling and not based on anything else. Though it should be stated that uh, Serling previously had done a boxing episode of Playhouse 90, which he won an Emmy for. So just uh, revisiting uh, interest that he had. And I guess uh, Serling did some boxing in his time in the military. So uh, that makes sense. From, yeah. yeah, pulling from his experiences and his interests. And boxing was apparently something he was he was pretty uh passionate about um yeah and i the only other thing i see in terms of like production that was interesting was that the harmonica solos in this and there was many it was by jerry goldsmith future star wars uh music maker we've we've talked about him on the show previously but the music was interesting in this because it 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 was a, a different direction than what i thought it would have been um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which you know, and I think the obvious decisions for a lot of this are, is things I want to talk about further as we get in this episode about what, where you thought things were going to go or how you thought things were going to be presented. And this episode kept swerving in that way, and I respect it in that way. Uh, not a lot of other ways, but I respect it in that way. Yeah, it's it's too bad uh, Jerry Goldsmith uh, didn't go that way during Star Wars. Could have just had an all harmonica. <laughs> yes, I like it. That would have been amazing. And people would probably look differently on that movie now if it was an all harmonica score with like a banjo every so often. That'd be amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, he didn't do he didn't do Star Wars. What did that? What well, I thought Jerry Gold was it, was it Jerry Goldsmith? I thought he did Star Wars. Uh, I know he did. He did Superman. He did the Superman theme, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, no, I don't think he did Star Wars. Okay. Um, well, God, uh, why? Why? Oh my God! <laughs> I I swear, uh, Jerry Goldsmith, uh, Star Wars. Uh, People are probably screaming. It's John Williams. That John did Williams Star Wars. did Star Wars. Yeah. God damn it! I'm yeah, sorry, no. uh, but he did. Okay, so Jerry Goldsmith did uh, Star Trek, and he also I swear he also didn't he do. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to even talk to you further about this. Anyway, harmonica solos. <laughs> and had they been in Star Wars, it would have been a different movie. So there you go. Yeah. Well, he did the music for Omen. I'm a big fan <laughs> of that score. So imagine the Omen with a harmonica solo the entire time. Like every time Damien's staring at people, he just turn harmonica. Just like, that'd be great. Um, so yeah, so we screwed, yeah. Up, we screwed up history as a couple soon, episodes ago. I just screwed up music here. So As soon as I said it, I was like, that doesn't sound right. He didn't do that. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, my well, apologies. Whatever. Yeah, now yeah, we're yeah. even. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, you know me and my interneting. I, I have no idea what's going on half the time. All right. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> let's get to the cast. All right. So we got Ivan Dixon plays your main character, Bully Jackson, who is a... Uh, I don't want to say washed up. He's a boxer past his prime. He's just uh, he's getting to the point of needing to hang it up and still trying to rekindle his stardom and uh, his success and everything. So I, I guess you could say washed up. Um, he's mostly known. He had a major role on Hogan's Heroes playing Sergeant James uh, Kinchlow. And he started out before this. He was a pretty big Broadway actor. 
And it definitely shows through mm-hmm. in this episode. I think he's a solid actor. I think he puts in a really good turn as Bully. Um, and then he was in this movie. I, I don't know what made me click on it. It had a weird poster that I couldn't really make out what it was. So it's called Fur de Lance. And it's, it's, it's snakes on a sub. What? Yeah. So snakes get loose on a submarine. This is from 1974. And it sets in a whole chain of events that throws the submarine into chaos wow that sounds yeah. amazing actually yeah it's it's got really bad reviews but uh i i don't think i care i think i'm gonna watch it <laughs> right uh, that sounds amazing um i was looking further into his career one i found out he did not do the music for star wars so i verified that um <laughs> he went on to direct episodes of a-team and magnum pi which i thought was interesting and he also directed trouble man uh which uh people will remember because the marvin gay soundtrack uh, for that, so uh, which uh, the only reason did I re- did you just watch Trouble I, Man? Yeah, like two weeks ago. Oh well, there you go. Oh um, wow, I didn't even uh, I didn't even realize it. My connection I, is I was, uh, whenever Sam Wilson and the Winter Soldier is telling Captain America like you got to listen to the soundtrack, and it plays at the very end of the movie whenever all the the government stuffs like falling apart, and it's it's just a cool it's it's a cool soundtrack. Like I was listening to it as it's doing notes for the show. Um, yeah, I thought that was kind of neat that he ended up directing like. Um, a pretty important genre film. Yeah, man, I, I don't know. I was just talking about that on Radio Violenta because I watched it like two weeks ago. Um, wow, that's, that's interesting. Nice little tie in there. Um, yeah, Trouble Man's fantastic if you haven't seen that. I have not, but yeah. I mean, is there is there a sub full of snakes in it? Because then I think that'd be a perfect movie. <laughs> no, um, no, it's it's a really kind of down to earth, gritty black exploitation film in in a genre that can be over the top a lot of the times mm-hmm. this was a really uh, how i took it as more of a realistic look into the crime underworld and uh the guy that plays mr t in that is fantastic not the mr t from <laughs> 18 <laughs> but the main guy's name in that is mr t no i want to see it and like i said the soundtrack i mean i i love Marvin yeah, it's, Gaines. It's, it's awesome yeah so i thought that was interesting yeah, I, I don't know why the name didn't uh, it didn't ring a bell. I was just talking about him, and I, I know I name-dropped him when I was discussing that movie. Interesting. All right, um, then we got uh, Stephen Perry playing, and not the Steve Perry that we know. <laughs> oh, that was my connection. <laughs> I was like, of Journey. That's not of Journey, no. Uh, uh, he plays the, the little kid Henry Temple in this, who is uh, most well-known probably for A Raisin in the Sun, and this was his only Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, and I saw that he ended up being, he was in a couple episodes of Magnum P.I., and I, I checked. I thought I'd been crazy if he was in the ones directed by Ivan Dixon, and he was not. I was ah. like, that would have been funny to me. Been yeah. like, I'm going to bring you on to Magnum P.I. It'll be great. <laughs> then we got uh, Kim Hamilton playing Francis Temple, uh, Henry's mother. Uh, only Twilight Zone episode, and the only other interesting thing I, that really caught my eye as I flipped through real quick, she was a voice in the Ralph Bakshi film, Heavy Traffic. Oh, um, I found out that she was one of the first uh, black actresses on Days of Our Lives, so I oh. thought that was interesting that they're... Yeah, that's important. Yeah, because we're going to be talking <laughs> about some some barrier stuff here, I'm sure. And, yeah. Yeah, and she also, I mean, before we go any further, like the, all the principles in this were really, really good. Um, so again, I'll say high praise for that. There's a lot here I didn't much care for, but I thought the the, the main actors were pretty solid. Yeah, I'm kind of sad we're just going to be a few days shy of closing out Black History Month. This would have been a great way 
for our show to do that. Yeah, I mean, we had no idea, but yeah, you're right. This would have been a good way to kind of put a pin on that. Well, um, it still is. It's it's only true. beginning of March. I guess we can still have that discussion no matter when. So yes, right. yes. Um, uh, is that all you have for her? Yeah. Well, and there was okay. a Star Trek connection, but we have already a ton of those. So anyway, go ahead. <laughs> um, we got Walter Burke playing Joe. Mizell, only Twilight Zone episode. He was pretty much a character actor in everything for about from about 1950 to 1970. And he's the father of Willem Dafoe. Not really, but you would think he is. Yeah, I I almost just lost my shit because when he <laughs> popped up on screen, I was like, "Hey, it looks like Willem Dafoe." Yeah. Willem Dafoe. <laughs> I was about to be pissed if I missed that. That's funny. Um, and then lastly, we have Henry Scott, who plays the promoter, Thomas. He was in one other Twilight Zone episode. Didn't really see anything else that caught my eye. Yeah, I was trying to look through. Like, there was, uh, like, the, so, other, the other boxer is, like, he's a stuntman, but I couldn't really find much about him. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sometimes flipping through people's uh, filmographies, they just have so much stuff that I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> You did a lot. Good job. But, but then you wouldn't know about a sub full of snakes, you know, if you don't yeah, do your that's research. True. So. Um, so yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, that's it for your, your cast and crew. Let's just let Serling start off here. In this corner of the universe, a prize fighter named Boley Jackson, 183 pounds and an hour and a half away from a comeback at St. Nick's Arena. Mr. Boley Jackson, who by the standards of his profession is an aging over the hill relic of what was, and who now sees a reflection of a man who has left too many pieces of his youth in too many stadiums for too many years before too many screaming people. Mr. Bowley Jackson, who might do well to look for some gentle magic in the hard-surfaced glass that stares back at him. So many harmonicas there. Yeah. <laughs> um, another good intro. Like, he really gets right to the, the heart of, of Bowley, and you see the reflection of him looking in the mirror at himself with uh, the intro, and you get it. It's a really good intro. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a pretty straightforward episode in a lot of aspects. There's a, there's a few little twists and turns I didn't expect in this, but I, I do love the way it starts with, uh, Serling's narration and you really get a great character moment between, uh, Bully and Henry, excuse me, choking over here and him just talking about, uh, just how a lot of people keep scrapbooks and, but he is basically his face is the scrapbook and he's going through pointing out every scar he has on his face and talking about who gave it to him, what the match was, where he was. And you just got Henry sitting in the back. Yeah. And Henry keeps calling him a tiger. Like it's, it's hero worship, you know, like you have the young, you know, yeah. the kid with his, with the boxer who tells all these crazy stories of things that he's done. And he's going to go off to a fight that night. Like what kid wouldn't be excited to want to talk to this guy? Yeah, yeah, he seemed like he lived an interesting life for sure. Um, yeah, so it, it turns out he's got a uh, comeback scheduled for that night. He's going to have a match against what was the other boxer's name? Oh shoot, you're going to ask me that, and it's um. You just said it like two seconds ago, so I thought you well, still. No, they, have it. I said something about the. It was like Consigliano or something. It was a very, very Italian name. I know that. Yeah, Consiglio. Um, there yeah. it is. Yeah. Um. But I, I liked some of the like the, the like he had like almost his own he almost had a monologue while talking to Henry about being a tired old man trying to catch a bus a bus that's left years ago, and it's like he acknowledges that he's kind of at the end, but 
he still wants to try for glory. And just and it's just it's interesting. Like there's that that moment of self realization of like I've done this a hundred times, and I, I I know what the outcome's probably going to be, but I'm going to do it another hundred times. You know, and it's very, yeah. um, it's you know, it's a it's a powerful moment. But I I don't know. It's, I think of like the wrestler. You know, where you're still compelled to do this, even though you know you're not in the shape that you once were. Yeah, it's just. I mean, it's something everyone struggles with. There's things we all love that we do have to give up for one reason or another. And aging is usually a reason you have to give up a lot of physical things. Yeah. Uh, and especially if your whole life, your identity is based around uh, being a boxer. You know, the the age for boxing, I mean, you hit 40, you're done. You know, <laughs> like, it's rare that people box further into that. So it, it's just... It's it's a really nice uh, uh, a, a nice thing that Serling's setting up here. Uh, it's it's easily relatable. Yeah. So uh, so as you go on, you you find out that he's on his way to the match, and that's when he talks to uh, Henry's mom about how like uh, Henry said he's gonna he's gonna make the big tall wish to make sure Bully isn't hurt and that he wins. And the mom tells a story about how you know he made a big tall wish that we we got a rent paid. And then suddenly a check showed up and the rent got paid, you know? So it was like, you get this idea that there, maybe this kid has more than just being like excited for his friend, you know? And it's never really spelled out clearly if, if it's the wish that did it or just to happen to be that he was talking about it and it happened, you know? And I yeah. so, um, but there's also another good moment too, between uh bully and um, Mrs. Templeton. Uh, and again, I just want to say that I really liked the performance of this episode. I have problems with the story, but I really love the performances. Yeah, I, I think I'm pretty much on the same page as you. So yeah, he uh, he ends up he's going to going to the gym to fight, and he's passing everyone on the street, and you can tell everyone on the street's really rooting for him and everything, which I I thought was pretty cool. It's a nice moment, and it just to let you know that this guy is well liked. It seems like he's a really nice guy, you know. Did you see um, the sign hanging off the one, uh, like, window as you walked by? It, it said, what is truth with the question mark? Uh, hmm. And I I mean, sure, yeah. it was put there on purpose because it's set dressing. And yeah. I, I don't know what it stood for at the time. But it, I feel like it's one of those things that just kind of creeps in the background about is the truth, like, you know, the reality you accept or the story that you want to believe. Which yeah, I feel or like is the, magic yeah. true? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I missed that. So yeah, he gets to the gym and he's getting taped up by I assume it was his coach, uh, Joe. Yeah, Willem Dafoe. And uh, <laughs> every, yeah, Willem Dafoe's father. Uh, I just assume every boxing coach name is Joe. Uh, <laughs> so he's. Uh, I was like, of course it is. So he's taping him up, and uh, the promoter's lurking in the background, smoking a cigar. And I I love the moment where uh, he's blowing all the smoke in uh, Bully's face, and he's like, "Can you get that out of here? I'd like to breathe some air." <laughs> yeah, right. It's like I'm just a professional athlete here. You don't need to keep smoking in here. And he tells yeah. him, he tells him to butt it out, you know. And, yeah. And I, I just again some of the some of the, the the small bits of dialogue in here cracked me up. Uh, They're very very colorful, and like the well, promoter, especially with this guy with this promoter. Yeah, just um. He kind of reminded me of Raul Julia for some reason. I don't know why. I got like a kind of just, I just, I don't know. I felt like his character should have been bigger in terms of the story, but he, he, he served just enough purpose just to get the ball rolling where the odds were going to really be against Bowley. Yeah. I actually, it, 
there there were a few moments that felt kind of awkward there. I had to rewind it to really see what happens because you find out that uh, he's trying to hire Bully to fight for him because he likes to fire or fire. Uh, he likes to hire boxers that are a little bit past their prime that aren't uh, people are going to win. So he puts them in fights and then bets against them so he can make his money on the side. And Bully realizes that he's betting against him that night and he pins him up against the wall and he's going to punch him and i, I guess he ducks out of the way and he yeah. punches the wall it's but awkward. there's just yeah. it was really awkward i thought he disappeared <laughs> <laughs> and i was like this is hold on i had to go back and rewatch that entire sequence because i was so confused I'm like no nah, i guess he just scuttled away <laughs> yeah it was weird I, I did like the the statement from bully though where he's like i might not be much up there but i'm gonna have a heck of a first round down here i just i love that yeah. he's just like he was like i may not be a great boxer but i'm better than you you know yeah. and i thought that was i thought that was pretty great you know but then yeah it was a weird awkward transition to show that he smashed his uh, right hand against the wall and i don't know if he broke his hand or just bust busted it up really badly but either way it wasn't going to be used for boxing yeah, I think I think he said he broke it because when they talk about it, or at least when Bully talks about it later, um, he says it was broken. Yeah. So yeah, I, um, pro- probably my favorite part of the episode is the actual boxing match we get into here. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Please, like, they, they set this up because the first time I watched it, I didn't think it was anything special. But then the second time, again, I'm always catching things. The second time I go through, where I'm like, uh, after I let my mind kind of settle in. There, there was some yeah. cool stuff going on here. Yeah, I just, it's, it's one of those things where you could really tell that they're trying to do this on a budget, but they had to show the fight, and I was kind of scared they were just going to fade to black and then have him come back into that same set, uh, backstage or you know in the yeah. in the locker room. I was really scared they were just going to skip over the whole fight in this episode. Did you like they how, do the, the, yeah, how they did the, the, the... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's what I was going to say. It's a it's a real inventive way to cover up the fact that they could not shoot in front of the whole crowd yeah. <laughs> in an actual boxing match. So they just give little bits and pieces of the crowd, like somebody eating popcorn, uh, somebody rubbing their hands together. And it, it was almost menacing the crowd. And it, it seemed like uh, Serling was trying to make a statement on just the bloodthirst of crowds going to... Mm-hmm these kind of uh combat sports (laughs) i don't know if he was or wasn't but it it kind of felt like that to me the way some of the crowd shots looked yeah because you had like some of the people like and the the, the cool thing about it was with the exception of one uh one face which i think was the the promoter guy everything else was either like uh, from like the 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 mouth down and you either saw like hands over the face, like there was a couple times where women had like their laced gloves over their face, they couldn't watch the violence, or people were wringing their hands or working a, um, like a, a program. Like it yeah. was very like you got you got it right. And with the sound effects, like it was very much a Citizen Kane opera house thing where you have five people and you have a boxing match. And I and, and you're right, that was the coolest thing of the episode. Yeah, and then even the uh, the really tight shots of them boxing. With just the just the black in the background and stuff, I thought were really striking. Yeah, I, I I was really impressed with it. And you know, it's it's a way to cover up the budget, and it, you totally know that's why they're doing it. But it doesn't take anything away from it. No, and I liked whenever um the he the knockout punch came and it was from first person. So like you got knocked out with bully and you went yeah. down, and then they had that nice uh 
glass shot from under the mat. Yeah. I thought that was yeah. really cool how like you got the idea that this guy's out and the, the ref's over t- top counting him out. And then and then the Twilight Zone happens. Yeah. Yeah. So everything freezes. Everything goes uh, to just frozen stills. And uh, then all of a sudden, Consiglio is on the ground and Bully standing over him, getting his arm raised up in the air. And yeah. somehow he won. Yeah. But you also see uh, before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, we want to skip over. You have a Henry watching it on television. And he has, like, a little kid meltdown. Like, he just wants to see his hero, like, fail. And I love the shot of him squishing his face against the television, just, like, wishing that, you know, that it would go the other way. And the reflection. Can't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and it's true. Screw yeah. up some LED screens. <laughs> right. Uh, but I love, like, you saw the light on his face. Like, it was just a really cool moment of, like, just, it was a cool shot. And even though, like, the kid, like, kid acting back then is very hit or miss. And yeah, I think oh, he did, yeah. I think he did a good job. However, there, there was some problems here and there. Um, and, but he, you know, he committed and I, and it was just like, you know, he, he had that little kid, like, I'm going to will this into happening. I know that's the kind of the whole point of the episode, but you can't tell a little kid something's not going to happen because they, they will fight you because they just know it's true, you know? And yeah. 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 So, uh, he ends up going back into the locker room after he, uh, quote unquote wins the fight. And he's talking to Joe, and he's like, I, I don't know how I did it. Uh, I thought I was out when I was laying on the ground. And he's like, you weren't knocked down. What are you talking about? He's like, yeah, my hand feels fine. He's like, I thought it was broken. He's like, I, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's basically he starts to, oh, to realize, like, you know, I like he's like, I must have got hit so hard that like I he's like it's like when I fell down out there, and he's like, you didn't fall down. You were in control of the fight the entire time. And yeah. it's like he, he he's starting to think like, well, that's not what I remember, but all right, you know. Um, and I like that they this it's the first of two times that you see him walk back home. And I'm, I'm not trying to give too much away, even though I think we kind of given up some of it. Like everyone's happy yeah. to see him. You know, it's like he's the hero returned, and you know he's kind of okay with it. He's still a little taken aback, but he's like, yeah, everybody, everybody's happy. I'm happy too. You know. Yeah. Um. But anyway, uh, uh, you're you're telling this much better than I am. Nah, I, I don't know about that. I'm start. I'm starting to lose it already. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he gets back. I believe. And, uh, what, what were we gonna say? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said I believe in you. So continue. Oh, please. <laughs> okay. So he goes back and uh, he goes to talk to uh, uh, to Henry, and he's like, I could. He's telling him about the whole fight, and uh, Henry's proud of him and everything, and he's like, nobody remembers me getting knocked down or anything. I'm the only one that remembers that. And so uh, he finally tells Bully that he made the big wish, and that's why that's how he ended up winning the fight. And Bully, uh, Bully is like, this can't be true. This can't be true. And he starts saying that, uh, he, that uh, when, when are you going to realize that magic isn't real? When are you going to realize, you know, like face the real world, you know? Uh, and yeah. so he... It, it, Henry ends up saying you have to believe in the magic or it won't work. And, uh, and bully is just, he's, he's not believing it and he's apologizing and they have a little heartfelt moment on the roof and they're hugging. And since he won't believe we end up getting brought back to the ring. Now here's the real twist of it. Uh, bully is still knocked out unconscious and he ends up losing the fight. 
Yeah, and he ends up having the walk of shame back to the apartment, and you know, yeah. people just kind of don't like. It's like people don't really want to make eye contact with him. They're just like they're just upset, you know. <laughs> like he he's failed the world, you know. And, I know it's it's pretty brutal. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like the one guy's like, "Why didn't you use your right hand?" It's just like because he couldn't, you know. Like whatever, just go back to sleep with the newspaper over your face, you know. Yeah, nobody the, knew his hand was broken. Though. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> but, yeah, so he. uh he goes in again to see Henry, and uh, it, Henry said he's still proud of him, and he still thinks he's a tiger. He looked like a tiger in the ring, and uh, kind of a cute moment. And uh, before he leaves, he asks him. Uh, Henry asks him if he thinks magic is real, and uh, he says maybe it is real, but there's not enough people in the world that believe it, and uh, that's what that's what keeps it from being actually real. And that's and that's how we leave the episode. Yeah, and, and like, it feels a little muddled to me. And, and I, I'll say that because like, you have the wish happen. He wins, and he tells he tells Henry that magic isn't real, but he has evidence of his own demise. Like he remembers something completely different than what happened. And it's it's almost like he got the victory that he has been seeking. He's back on track, and suddenly it's like not that he lost his humbleness, but he lost. There was like there was this. There was a weird like because he was taking credit for himself. I know it's the whole lack of belief, but it almost felt like the world was in a better place when, when Bowley was trying to win and being a good mentor slash father figure for Henry than to have this victory and then be back on the up and up, you know? Yeah. And it felt weird. It just, it, it, the, the message was a little weird to me. You know? Yeah, I, I can agree with that. And it leaves a lot, uh, basically to your imagination and you can you can kind of draw your own conclusions with a lot of the a, a lot of the messages that Serling's presenting in this um yeah i i took it as, as strictly the magic thing because Serling's closing narration kind of hints that magic is real yeah. so i kind of took it for what it was for what bully was actually saying at the end that magic is real but not enough people believe in it and uh, you know he he seems like a pretty straight guy, and I, I I do think part of the undeserved victory was eating him up, you know. And I don't think I don't think there would have been a way to end this episode with having Bully still being a stand-up guy <laughs> if he would have taken the false victory. Yeah, no, and I agree with but that. that. But yeah, that does go against the magic thing, though, because now we're just getting this depressing ending that like. Just like, yeah, he's literally been beaten up by the world, and so he can't believe in magic either. Yeah, because he has a whole part so, of the monologue at the beginning <laughs> about how you know you get your face drug in, you know, into the cement, and you realize yeah. that there's a point where you stop believing. And I feel like like hero worship is the first moment that you stop believing when you either meet your heroes and realize they're just, just like you, or yeah. um, you see your heroes fail in a way that you never thought possible. You know, and but with this one, this felt like the whole whole episode. It was shown that he was being much better as like a surrogate father than he is as a fighter, and it almost feels like is the wish fulfillment of him winning or the kid actually having a father figure. You know, it's like I don't, and I know that the, the dialogue at the end hints more like just because uh, Bowley didn't like accept the wish and move on that that's why because he didn't believe in magic. It just feels like. Like, what was the bigger victory there? You know, having this kid who looked up to this guy that's like, you know what? Like, what do you say? I drew a rock is what he said. He's like, I drew a rock tonight. Didn't didn't have my whole arsenal. But then he's like, let's just go to the hockey game tomorrow. Like, even though he lost, 
He's going to pick yeah. himself right back up again, and and him and Henry are going to have adventures. And yeah. maybe I'm and, being sentimental, but I feel like it's bigger. Proud of him, yeah. so it, it it is kind of a victory for him. And you know, you you still like uh, Bully at the end of this thing. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So it, he's he's really likable character, really sympathetic, and uh, but yeah, I definitely some of the wish stuff is uh, there. There's more to be desired with uh, going into that. Well, because I mean, we've seen other examples of of wish fulfillment so far even yeah. in this first season and like, i think uh i think next episode too <laughs> um yeah i mean it's kind of yeah i mean i've seen i've seen the next episode previously so i kind of know what's going on with that and you're right but that's more of like be careful what you wish for mm-hmm. and this is okay. hoping for the best outcome right this is more like what you need even though what you need was people not knowing what they needed and they they, they got what what they needed i guess and then you got yeah. the one guy who abused it but it was still like there is still like a power and hoping for the best. And I think we've seen other examples of this so far this season. It's this one. This one felt more like, I, you know, I almost wish this is why did I use that turn of phrase? I almost wish the power of wishing wasn't really the crux of this episode. Because I feel like in a way there could have still been an interesting like road not taken with. I, I don't know. I, I know I rewrite yeah. the episodes. They're 50 years old. But I just, <laughs> you know. Almost like a choose your own adventure. Like if he wouldn't have done this, he would have ended up here. Kind of like uh, what, what's that movie with Nick Nicholas Cage? <laughs> oh shoot! I uh, the Family Man is that it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like kind of like that. You, you could have still had some magic what there. Would happen. Yeah. Like if he could see what would happen if he would have won, you know. And then compared to if he didn't win and Henry's still proud of him and he gets to be a father figure to this kid. You know, like which one he would pick or something like that. I don't know. Again, yeah, rewriting the episodes. <laughs> I know, and I know, I know it doesn't do any good, but this one I feel like, and so when you go back and you're going to list like your favorite Twilight Zone episodes, this is not going to be in there. And I think it's just because I feel like the performances are are really good. Like the guy, the guy that plays Bully is solid, and 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 um, yeah. and the mother's awesome too. Like they're like really good, strong performances. Like you really do care for these people. You want the best for them. Uh, it's just that I feel like the Twilight Zone component of it is lacking in the sense of yeah. it doesn't have that same sharp. Like not that this needed to have like a twist, like a, like oh my goodness, like sucker punch ending. Because even some of the ones that are more cutesy and kind of winking at you, are, there's some good feel good episodes coming. You know where you're like, yeah. oh, it actually is kind of a happy ending in the Twilight Zone, and this one just didn't quite stick the landing. Yeah, it's though I will say I like it because this isn't when we're, you know, we're sitting down to do these episodes. This isn't what I was expecting. Yeah. You know, I this isn't an episode that I would have watched as a kid at my friend's house because it's not scary. It's not uh, shocking, you know, Uh, so it's not one that gets a lot of TV time or anything. I I don't think I've ever seen this on TV, Um, but it's, it's not what you expect from the Twilight Zone. It is kind of refreshing in that respect. Um, yeah, I'm curious. I, I might have to go back and check out that Playhouse 90 episode and mm-hmm. see how similar that is. Cause I know that involves a aging boxer as well. Well, and then even later on, uh, we're talking but, a few seasons down the road, you have the episode steal the Richard Mathis episode with the fighting robots. Oh you yeah. Have, uh, was it Lee Marvin that has to stand in for one of them? Um, it's almost, it's almost the same thing where it's like, you're at a point of desperation. You, you've run out of options. What are you going to do? 
you know, mm-hmm. and that one's much more, you know, these are robots, you know, which is awesome, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not a theme that's not going to be revisited, you know, and I, yeah. and, and this one, it's, it's good. It just, I don't know. There's something about it. It doesn't quite give me that like, like, wow, I'm really, I don't know. There's episodes we've seen so far that I've been like taken aback being like, I've never considered this before from the twilight zone and I dug it. And this one, yeah. I just, I, there's a lot that I liked and it just, it just didn't quite make it. That's all. Yeah, and I, I don't want it to seem like we're really taking this episode to task because I, I do think it is fairly good. And, you know, if you take it as he presents it and you don't really look too much further into the storyline and uh, what's going on with the magic and everything, I think it is a nice little heartfelt story. Yeah, I mean, I'll take one of these over top of a shot and arrow in the air any any time, you know? Yeah, it, um, like I said, it's it's something different. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I also do like the juxtaposition of this kid's wish, you know, wanting to come true because he believes in his hero. And then Bully actually says that he wished his life away as in he was always chasing that dream, always wishing for things to be better. And it got him nowhere, you know? And yeah. I thought that was interesting. Like you got the little kid wish and then you got the grown up reality of wishing. And I just, you know, there, I mean, there is some depth to this episode, no doubt. I, again, I just feel mm-hmm. like, you know, they just, I have my own, my own issues and that that's for me alone and I'll ponder them later. Yeah. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe he was just cramming a little too many ideas into, uh, what should have been a little bit more simplistic yeah. uh, storyline. Cause so, like you said, even with that background thing of what is truth in the background, I mean, that's, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, talking about reality and what you believe to be reality and, you know, who knows if he, he was even trying to say that. But there's just it seems like there's so much little glimpses of ideas in this in a fairly simple story that he probably should have just really focused and just just really refined it to a solid uh, outcome. Yeah. And I give yeah. Serling complete credit. Uh, and it's something that watching it now, you don't think too much about, but for its time, it was um, making a huge statement where you have a predominantly black cast on a, yeah. a major television show uh, telling a story in which there is nothing stereotypical going on. Where Yeah, there's, yeah. there's nothing to do with race in this. Um, as you can probably tell, we've gone this whole episode other than discussing... Uh, um, I, uh, Ivan Dixon in the beginning, like there is nothing in this episode that we needed to bring up race or anything like that into it. Yeah, and I, like he so, he could I mean, easily that's, wrote a, that's this. awesome. Yeah, that's a bigger statement, I think. Well, he could have easily written this with an all white cast, and people wouldn't have blinked an eye, and like we wouldn't have blinked an eye watching it because you know it was nineteen sixty whatever, you know, uh, and that's what you thought of when you thought of television, right? So, but having like a black lead and a, a predominantly black cast. And there, and you know, you had Bully, who, yeah, he was down on his luck, but he was a self-made man in the sense that he chased a dream, and he was a boxer. And you had, you know, you had Mrs. Templeton, who, you know, she was a hardworking lady. It wasn't asking for anything from anybody. And it's just like you had these nice, like, strong figures that you didn't have to dip into. There was always that fear, like when you think about programming from this time, that are they going to do something that's inadvertently like, oh, you maybe you shouldn't have done that. I never yeah. got that vibe at all from any of this. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. And like you said, I didn't even really bat an eye until I started considering, I'm like, this is 1960. Yeah. This is uh, really ahead of its time for casting. Well, this is four and, years before the Civil Rights Act. Like, I had to look that up. Yeah. And, and so. Well, and 
And, uh, you know, you talk about Star Trek. They did a lot of uh, lot of progressive casting on oh, that show as absolutely. well. Absolutely. Like, the first interracial kiss was in Star Trek, and people lost their minds, you know. Yeah. Um, but and- I, I did find out Serling won uh, the annual Unity Award for Outstanding Contributors to Better Race Relations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it this year for this episode it, you know and <laughs> certainly seems like somebody uh just based on his writing that i've read that probably really didn't think about it <laughs> you well, know he he's actually, like yeah he has a quote are, um I'm, I'm sorry i just i found this quote about this uh and just just bear with because the time the the time in which you said it it's the context of what you said it he said television like its big sister the motion picture has been guilty of the sin of omission hungry for talent desperate for the so-called new face constantly searching for a transfusion of new blood it has overlooked a source of wondrous talent that resides under its nose this is the negro actor so like he was like you know we've been guilty of ignoring a wonderful like opportunities here and yeah he's just like these are good actors i'm gonna put them in this yeah you know? <laughs> it was as as much as that you know yeah. and as thought out as that well, and you think and about it, it, like we were talking great. about a couple episodes ago, whenever we we're like kind of snapshotting the, the time and place and how there were uh, KKK uh, members along the highways in the South a couple weeks previous to this episode airing, d- like protesting that there were people sitting uh, at lunch counters where they have not belonged before, you know? And you think about like our time right now, which unfortunately we keep bringing the Twilight Zone to today because some of it still applies. Like, most of it yeah right like let's say that we still had the same kind of commonplace ideas that you didn't have a uh, you know a cast that was a different race right like in a tv show if you fast forward that to 2017 with the same type of tensions that were going on and we have social media people would have been calling for cbs to be shut down and serling to you know be kicked off of everything and boycott twilight zone people would have lost their minds you know, and it's just, it's just amazing that this came out and there's been no, like you would imagine there would have been a blowback, but there really wasn't, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, from, from what I saw, the, uh, reception was pretty positive for this episode. Yeah. Um, so it, it was, it was actually the contrary to people complaining. People thought it was a, it was a solid episode right? back then. So credit to them. I mean, I just, I just try, yeah, I try awesome. to frame it and what would be going on now. And I could only imagine like how Twitter would be trending with whatever, you know, and it'd be, yeah, it'd be a whole nother thing. So anyway, um, I didn't have to look very far to find something interesting about uh, tying into this episode. So you mentioned people being 40 and boxing. Uh, Bernard Hopkins, who's actually, you know, he just retired two years ago. Yeah. He um, was the oldest boxer in the history to win a world title at 46 uh, and then he um, actually did it again uh, at ages 48 and 49 when he, he won and unified the belts. I don't know how boxing works, but he won uh, title belts at, at age 48 and 49. That's that yeah, is that's, like I will never. That's mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I feel like whenever my age, I'm starting to see professional athletes retire and I realize I did nothing with my physicality like that. You know, I'm just like, there's, there's football players that aren't like, there's a lot of football players that aren't my age anymore. You know, like, and I'm like, oh. yeah. Or you, you watch the Olympics and people are like 12. Like, what <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> like, yeah. It, like 15 years old. And they're like better than anything you'll ever be <laughs> during life. It's, it's so depressing, but yeah, yeah man, 48 and winning championship. That's just, that's, that's crazy. It's, it's so rare. It makes me think of like you saw Rocky Balboa. I mean, I know it's a movie, 
but just the shape that Stallone had to get back into. Did you see Rocky Balboa? No, I haven't. You haven't seen? Okay. It just the shape he has to get back into to get in the ring. And he actually did have that fight and they filmed it uh, yeah. with the younger, the younger actor. It, it's like, you know, it, it's impressive. I mean, I know that's just a film and Bernard Hopkins did it for real. But still, it just it makes you just step back and think, you know, like just uh, you appreciate you appreciate the animal that is human, and uh, and what they can do if they put their mind to it and are determined. And then there's me, who I have not been that well, determined. We're the ones in the crowd <laughs> wringing our hands and watching. Yeah, right. I'm eating all the popcorn just watching it. Yeah. So, um, all right. Yeah. Do yeah. You have- I I really do like it. It's such a timeless uh, a timeless message. Just the really holding on to who you are and everything and uh, not wanting to give up, yeah, you know, what you love. Well, and it, it, it really, it, so, some of the points, like I was saying, are really poignant, but I think, like you said, things just get a little bit too muddled in this. Well, and I feel like the image of the boxer and also like the image of the pitcher, like a baseball pitcher, are the ones yeah, you always go yeah. back to when it comes to, like um like you know you're you're way past your prime but if you just have one day where everything lines up you could just knock everybody's socks off and i feel like those yeah. are the two that always like when you think of like the archetypes from like sports movies or sports oh they're stories. just so physically demanding yeah i mean for pitching and boxing it's just it's it's insane so yeah the retirement age is so much younger than you know you could play outfield well into your <laughs> 40s <laughs> that's true yeah um, but it's just, it's, it's interesting that like, I think, and I think Serling said, you said he, he did have a background in boxing. I think he appreciates that like you are judged by your own actions and your ability to get back up, you know? And I feel like there's a lot more metaphor there than there might be in other sports where it's more of a team game where in boxing, it's just you versus the world, you know? And, yeah. Well, it's um, the same reason I skateboarded, you know, I'm, I, I consider myself an artist, you know, musician and stuff. And, uh, I was I was never good at team sports, but I always liked independent <laughs> activities, and so I I took up skateboarding because everything you do is yourself. Yeah, you know. So, and I think writing and boxing can be uh, compared pretty easily. Just you know, you're in control. That makes sense. Yeah, that's that. Yeah. I didn't think about so that. So I I can definitely see why he would have gravitated towards boxing. So are you going to win like an X Games title at like forty eight and forty nine with skateboarding? I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> you know, my uh, cruising down the parkway now. I'm not doing what I used to do. Oh, gotcha. Um, I, I had to give that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you just believe hard enough maybe you'll you'll uh i don't know i i was gonna name a skateboarding trick and i realized oh, i didn't know the name of any of them <laughs> i'm gonna break i'm gonna break more than my knuckles i can guarantee <laughs> that if i try some of the stuff i used to fair enough all right so uh did you have any other notes about the episode or uh we good just to get to the twist no nah, i'm good i'm giving it a two because i feel like a one's is being mean and I just, I, cause I, again, <laughs> the twist of he didn't win cause he didn't believe, but I'm like, but you also now have a chance of being like, like a hero to somebody else. Like I just didn't like, I'm still kind of torn about that. So, cause I feel like a one would be like the absolute worst. I'm giving it a two cause I just don't know how I feel about it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, I think, a, I think a one is too low just because I didn't really see him not believing and then ending up back into the ring. It wasn't where I expected this episode to go. It didn't take the easy way out. So, But as we've been talking about this whole episode, uh, 
things are kind of questionable yeah, with you, the story. So I, I don't think I can go higher, but I do enjoy this episode. So I, I just feel like we've been rough on this one the entire time. Well, I feel like we've just been knocking it. <laughs> like, we're rough on the episode involving a boxer. Uh, yeah. So I'm not, not like, again, like, I don't want, like, uh, I don't want my nitpicks about the muddled story at the end to ruin the performances and everything this episode was trying to do. Like, I almost feel like if you did this right, this would be an amazing, like one act play of some sort, you know, or not one act play, but like a short play. And you just, you could, you could tell the same story and have some interesting, good character performances that you could really get it behind. You know, well, and maybe I, that can be our uh, next project as a uh, podcast. We can do this. <laughs> just make it a little play. Yeah, yeah. I can be uh, I can be Henry. Yeah, and then you can be Bully. Yeah, and, uh, I can be Bully. Yeah, so we'll try. I'll that. just wear shoes on my knees and uh, <laughs> just follow you around. Oh yeah, I, just, you. I don't feel. I feel like something tells me that that would not be a good idea. But uh, but yeah. Anyway, um, so like, again, <laughs> like this isn't like uh, it's not the worst episode I've seen, and it's not. It's never going to be the worst episode I've seen. Uh, I just don't know. It's going to, it'd be one of those, like you already have like in the back of your head, the playlist of the ones that you're going to want to watch over and over again. This may not be there, but I'm yeah, glad I watched yeah. it, you know, like, yeah, I, I don't think I could see myself rewatching this for a very long time. Yeah. Maybe until I forget what it was, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, again, it's not a bad thing. Not everything has to be rewatchable. Um, well, yeah, and, so. and, and we've talked about this previously and not to dr- drag this on too much about how, you think that you know the Twilight Zone and you realize that you just had a greatest hits album and not the full, you know, discography, so to speak. That's what I know? mean. Yeah. Like, this is not what I thought of when yeah. I was like, yeah, we're going to do a Twilight Zone podcast. And uh, I did not think we were going to be talking about a uh, a boxing drama for the most part at yeah. some point during this. Right. So yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad we did it. So there we go. The, the road less traveled. All right. So, yeah. um, all right. Uh, so Kevin, how can people get a hold of us? Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Strange Highways. Uh, join in the conversation there. Paul's always pulling great stills and everything from the episode, having some fun uh, conversations on there. Uh, emails at strangehighwayspodcast at gmail dot com. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and rate and review us on there. Really help us out. And uh, I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. Next episode is a nice place to visit. Um, I think we've both seen this one already. That's okay because I have. It's been a long time since I've watched it, and yeah, uh, yeah. I uh, I have I have some hopes. Like now that uh, now that we've seen the one from I forget the name of the episode now. No, uh, Escape Clause. Now that we've seen that one, I feel like a nice place to visit. It's kind of like a spiritual sequel in a way, and um, we'll we'll get to that. I'm sure next week. So, uh, so yeah. Um, if you guys if you guys wish really really hard, we'll be back next week with another episode. But if you don't, yeah. if you don't wish and believe, this is it. You're never getting another episode ever again. Well, uh, I, I don't think magic works though. So, are we coming back or not? I guess we'd leave that up to the to to the people listening. No such thing as magic. God help us both. I wish there were. Oli, you got to believe. I can't.
got to I believe. Can't, you boy. got I to can't. believe. I can't. Please.